I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to a new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It is Meg here, and maybe you can feel a different energy from me today. I am actually recording this episode on a Friday afternoon. I usually record these episodes on Tuesdays right before the episodes come out, like the day before they come out, but my birthday is on Tuesday or was on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this live, this podcast episode will be released on June 21st. But I wanted to take my birthday off, which is June 20th. And so I am pre-recording this episode. Most podcasters, I think, pre-record their episodes like weeks in advance, at least like a few days in advance. But I really like recording mine the day before, but like I said, because of my birthday, I really wanted to take the day off and not be on a screen. And I definitely feel like Friday bag. And I actually talk to my clients about this. Like usually my clients and I, because I see my clients on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, depending on the frequency that works best for them. And it's funny because we usually have like this routine of seeing each other on a set day of the week, for an example. So, you know, I have my Wednesday clients, my Thursday clients, my Friday clients, and sometimes because of their schedules changing or maybe mine, we will like very rarely, but sometimes we'll have to like change things up. And I always say to them that I have like a new version of them because I think we kind of have different energies um, based off of what day of the week and even what time of day it is. So anyways, you are getting Friday afternoon Meg (laughs) this week and I'm excited to be here and I hope you're excited for this episode because we haven't actually done a Q&A style episode before but I was thinking because it is my birthday week I put out a question up in my stories on Instagram and I asked you all over there what I should talk about this week and I received a few questions, but they were all kind of, um, there wasn't really a theme to them exactly. So I thought, well, this might be a fun time to kind of do like a mishmash of questions, like just a well-rounded Q&A fun type of episode. And so that's exactly what we are going to be doing this week and I'm excited about it. So we have some health related questions, nervous system related questions, and then kind of um, birthday 
fun type of related questions. So I thought we could start off with the health related questions first and then move into the fun stuff. So that is how we're going to roll today. So question number one comes from someone from our Instagram community, and she is asking about health anxiety in amenorrhea. So it sounds like she has hypothalamic amenorrhea. And for those of you who don't know, that means that she doesn't have her period. And so what she's asking, she says, health anxiety in amenorrhea recovery when you eat sugar and sweets. So it sounds like she's wanting some support or advice around what to do when experiencing health anxiety when eating sugar and sweets. Now, I feel like I could do an entire podcast episode about this because I think there's a lot of layers to this, but when we are experiencing anxiety about food, I often see or like my one of my understandings of that is that there's likely some beliefs around sugar and sweets if that's what's causing the anxiety. So if every time you go to eat something containing sugar in it or something that's like on the sweeter side, whether that's, you know, ice cream or candy or cake, chocolate, whatever it is, if at any point like you go to eat those foods and that causes anxieties to come up for you, I'd be curious if you have some beliefs around those foods. And if you were a client of mine, that is something that I'd be curious about. And maybe that would lead us down a path of exploring some of those beliefs that you have around those foods. Now, I really do believe that when we're recovering from hypothalamic amenorrhea or like disordered eating or an eating disorder, there's a lot of beliefs that we carry around food. I feel like even if we're not dealing with one of those things, like if we don't have disordered eating or an eating disorder or hypothalamic amenorrhea, it is very likely we still have like these beliefs around food because we live in this world where we are constantly being fed messages and different messages about food and literally not even just sweets but so many like all the foods and there's I think there's just these beliefs and messages being sent out about all of these different types of foods so that is a place that I would start and that's where as a practitioner I would first bring my curiosity or one of the first places that I would bring my curiosity is okay what are these beliefs or do we have some beliefs around sugar and sweets that is kind of triggering the nervous system to go into a dysregulated state and the reason why I bring the nervous system into this because you know she brings up anxieties around 
these types of foods or when she's eating these types of foods. And when we're experiencing anxiety, that's just like a label to um, refer to what's happening actually like inside the body. Because whenever we experience an emotion, you know, we have these labels such as anxiety, sadness, depression, worry, stress, right? There, that's like this language that we actually give to what's actually happening inside the body. So through a somatic lens, I would love to support you or anyone who's experiencing health anxieties from like a nervous system perspective. And also, I would be very curious about those beliefs because there is so much unlearning and relearning that needs to be done when we go through recovery. When I was going through my own recovery, I had to, you know, identify all of my own personal beliefs around food. And I also treated it as this really beautiful opportunity to relearn some things about food. For an example, sugar and sweets. This was one that I personally struggled with myself and now I can very easily eat things containing sugar and sweet things such as ice cream, which is by far one of my favorite things. And Scott and I are having pie at our wedding and I'm so excited to have pie at our wedding and even just leading up to it because I'm baking our own pies and I'll be taste testing, of course. So anyways, I just wanted to share that with you because I'm now at this point where I can eat these things without these health anxieties. And that's because I did a lot of unlearning and relearning about these foods that were bringing up a lot of those anxieties. And so something about, you know, sweets or sugar is our thyroid actually really loves sugar and carbohydrates and we actually need these forms of nourishment for like optimal robust thriving health and so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there but like I said this could be an entire episode kind of maybe relearning about sugar and why this actually isn't (laughs) what the media tells us it is. I think, I mean, even going through nutrition school, there was a lot of talk about, you know, how terrible sugar is, where it's like, that's actually not the case. And having, this is where I'm going to like wrap up my answer to this question, but like, the stress and the anxieties that we have around eating certain foods is far worse than actually like eating the food itself. So I would, for this listener, I would suggest to get curious about any beliefs you're holding around these types of foods and try to maybe start relearning some things to 
learn about sugar or any other foods that are bringing up anxieties try to learn about these foods maybe more in like a positive light rather than what like diet culture is trying to tell us so the second question also from the same listener so thank you for the double question It's also about amenorrhea recovery or hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery. And she just said increasing portions in amenorrhea. So once again, I feel like she was giving me really good topics to actually do an entire episode on. So maybe in the future, I will actually dedicate an entire episode about this. I really haven't done a hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery episode in quite some time. And so maybe it's time to do that. But increasing portions in amenorrhea. So I have a lot to say about this because I have worked with so many clients that because usually before I start working with a client, we actually have a discovery call. So a discovery call gives us an opportunity to just like hop on Zoom and I usually block off like 30 minutes and it's a free call. And really the point of a discovery call is to make sure that like you and I are going to get along and we're a good fit, but it also gives you an opportunity to share with me like where you're at, the type of support you're looking for, and just ensure that I can give you that type of support. So just overall making sure we're a really good fit. And I had several clients within the past year come to me and share with me that they felt like they white knuckled their way through recovery, whether that was like eating disorder recovery or HA recovery, typically hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery is what they were referring to just like white knuckling their way through so going like as an example going from like super restricting their food and very small portion sizes to just like going absolutely to the other end of the spectrum just to get their period back and When women do this, they often are able to recover their period fairly quickly, which is great. However, that can be really, really overwhelming to the nervous system. And then they are wanting, you know, they they feel like they need support because they white knuckled their way through recovery and kind of like overwhelmed their nervous system. So for this listener who is asking for advice about increasing portions while trying to recover her period, a piece of advice that I would have would be like, allow yourself to go slow, allow yourself to go at the pace of your nervous system. And this doesn't mean just like doing what's easy. But when I say like, go slow, um, I'm suggesting that you do like a slightly activating step 
but not something that is overwhelming to your system. And the way that you know that you are going at the right pace and not overwhelming your system is like something that feels a little activating and a little scary because remember, new things are going to feel a little scary. So let's just pretend that at breakfast you're having like one egg and one piece of toast. Now, side note, that is an extremely, extremely small breakfast, okay? But I wanted to just use a very extreme example here. So let's say you are having like one egg and one slice of toast for breakfast. And we're wanting to work towards increasing that by a lot instead of jumping from that to having three eggs with a slice of sourdough or like toast with avocado on it and a bowl of strawberries on the side or a glass of orange juice or a couple oranges peeled and having like a whole orange you know instead of going from a very very small breakfast to a like well-balanced more properly portioned breakfast instead of going from you know where you are all the way to kind of more of an optimal breakfast is we need to take these slow small tolerable steps and it is going to be a little bit activating because it's something new and so we would take we would kind of like break down where we want to be and take that bite size by bite size kind of that is that a pun I'm not really sure but like take it really slow so maybe you know, and everything's at your own pace. You know, whenever I work with a client, they're always in charge, but we are, we're doing something that feels a little bit activating because it's new and it's still not overwhelming to the system because you're able to do it and feel like, wow, I did that. And that felt really good. And when that happens, you're motivated to actually do more right? Because you're showing your nervous system that, hey, even though that was like initially like scary or activating or it, you know, made you feel a little nervous, you were still able to do it and things were safe. So if you want my opinion on increasing portions during HA recovery in order to get your period back, I do think it is wise to go slow and honor the pace of your nervous system. Now, maybe it is easy for you because I do I do know women who have had to recover their periods and they were kind of like so over how they were doing things and how they were, you know, nourishing their bodies or not nourishing their bodies, like treating their bodies. I know a lot of women who were so fed up with how they were doing that, that they were able to just like literally throw everything they were doing out the window and do the complete opposite and be totally fine. However, I do know that the majority of the women that I work with, that would be way, way too overwhelming. So we got to honor the pace of the nervous system 
and take those next tolerable steps that feel a little bit activating, but we're able to do them and show the nervous system that things are okay and things are safe. Now moving on to question number three, this listener is asking best techniques for regulation and how to set your day up for regulation. So remember last week we talked about what regulation is and what dysregulation is. So remember our end goal when we're doing healing work, um, we're never going to just be like this steady state of like calm and chill and zen out all the time. Like that's not the goal. We want to be able to feel a variety of emotions and still know we're okay. Still know we're here. We don't want to be getting lost in the big emotions. We don't want to be getting stuck in these survival responses. We want to be able to experience maybe like sadness or stress or anxiety or grief or whatever the emotion is and still know we're here and okay. So that's what regulation and having like a regulated system means. Now, if you're very dysregulated, it's to be able to have more regulation in your system. There's a lot of techniques to be turning to for more regulation. Now, I have shared this one many of times on the show, and it is kind of one of those things that sound like, oh, like that's so simple. How's how's that going to do anything, right? And let me tell you this very, very simple, like we don't, in order to heal, let's be real here. In order to heal, we do not need to do these big, big, grand things. As I just said for my answer, to the last question about increasing portion sizes, taking these like really slow, gentle, tolerable steps is actually like the best path for healing because that honors the nervous system and we're not overwhelming the nervous system. So the reason I bring that up is because like when this question is asking for best techniques for regulation. You know, we don't need to be doing these really like over the top fancy things. It really is quite simple. And in order to bring more regulation into the system or to access that ventral state. So when we're in that ventral vagal state of our nervous system, that means we feel safe and present. Okay, so a big piece of that is being able to access the here and now. And so that's why you hear me say over and over and over again that your senses are one of the best tools to turn to when 
wanting to bring in more regulation or when you need to regulate. So when you're noticing some dysregulation in your system, turning to your five senses. And another reason why I love your five senses so much is because they're always with you, right? Like, it's not like you have to be home and you have to have um, your headphones to do something or your yoga mat or your acupressure mat or your essential oils or, you know, whatever it is or your sun or whatever, right? Like, you can be literally anywhere. And if you are blessed to have the sense of sight, you can look around your space and notice something that feels good for you. If you are blessed to be able to hear and you can tune into your sense of sound, like right now, I'm not sure if you guys can hear this. I'm not sure if the mic is picking this up, but there are some beautiful birds chirping in the back. Um, I was going to shut my windows and but like I just was like nah if they could hear the birds that's even better I just love having my windows open during the day and being able to hear the nature outside I can hear trees blowing it's kind of breezy today so I can hear the wind and the trees and the birds and for me I really like those sounds and so being able to give myself a pause And just notice that. So what we're doing here is allowing ourselves to move towards things that feel good for us through our senses. And like I said, that can be your sense of sight, sound, taste, smell, or touch. For an example, Penny is sitting under my desk right now as I record this episode. And if I just reach my arm down, I can stroke her fur. And really, like that feels really good for me, you know, and just notice how that feels inside. So when we're wanting to bring in more regulation, we want to move towards things that feel good for us. And notice how that makes us feel. And like I said, a big piece of that is allowing ourselves to gain more access to the here and now. And so that's another reason why our five senses can be so, so helpful. And so just like how to set yourself up. So I think this is another really great topic is you know, healing, I really don't want um, your healing journey to feel like a to-do list. (laughs) So I don't want to sit here and be like, at this time of day, you need to do this. Because as soon as we start making healing a to-do list, like that's not healing. Okay. So I would suggest that if it feels good for you, Maybe thinking of a time of day where it is just you and you have some space to tune into your sense of sight, your sense of sound, taste, smell, touch. So using those five senses 
and noticing for you what feels good for you that day. So this is a really, really powerful practice. And like I said before, I know it sounds so simple and there might be a part of you that is thinking like there is actually no way that that is ever ever going to even work for me and I think this is pretty common if you're new to this work Um, and that can actually be like the nervous system kind of like preventing us or working hard to prevent us from actually slowing down, softening, and accessing the present, right? Because remember, the sympathetic and the dorsal, which is in the parasympathetic, but the dorsal vagal or the sympathetic, so that shut down or the fight or flight, those are survival responses. And if we are stuck in a survival response, it's going to feel like really uncomfy to actually slow down, soften, and get connected with the present or even get connected with the body, your body, my body. So if you notice those thoughts of, well, that's not going to do anything, that's so stupid, it can't be that simple, you know, and thinking that like, I need to do something really, really big, you know, Meg's, whatever Meg's talking about is way too simple, that could honestly be a self-protection response. So just keeping that in mind, if you haven't yet really leaned into the practices I'm suggesting, that's totally fine. I'm not here to pressure you into doing anything, but just even noticing like those thoughts and maybe even getting curious that they possibly could be a self-protection response. So hopefully that answers her question. And so those were like the three health kind of related questions. And I think all three of those could be entire podcast episodes by themselves. But we will move on to the last two fun questions we had sent in for today's fun episode. And the first one is reflecting on lessons learned this last year and goals for the coming one. Happy birthday. Thank you, my friend. She listens to the show every week and she'll know after I read her, after reading her question, she'll know that she's the one. So thank you, my friend, for wishing me happy birthday. Um, all right. So I like this question, but I also find that it's really hard, like reflecting on lessons and setting up goals and stuff like that. I love it. And it's also really hard. So um, lessons learned. I think a big one, and I mean, <laughs> this. I'm not sure if this is really a lesson or just kind of a realization, but holy moly, does time fly? So um, about, it would have been 11 months ago, Scott proposed and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have 13 months to plan my wedding. 
and I feel like I blinked and it's summertime and our wedding is two months away. So I, you know, a thing from this year is just kind of like a friend and I were talking about this the other day and it is so true that the older you get, the faster time goes by. It is just absolutely bananas. So that's one thing that I'm taking away from this past year. Like I can even remember my birthday from last year. I remember what I was wearing last year on my birthday. I remember all of these very, very specific details because it feels like it was just last week. So recording this podcast episode and knowing that my birthday is in just a couple of days feels really weird because I'm like, wait, wasn't it just my birthday like last week? So time goes fast, the older you get. And I guess I have more of a gratitude. I don't know. Um, I feel like I just want to name something, I guess. Like I, I'm just really proud of myself and like the way that my business is going. And actually, I guess I do have a lesson. Um, I feel like I really slowed things down this year, meaning like I wasn't pushing myself to post on Instagram every single day, Monday through Friday. And I just really had such a more gentle and slow approach to social media, I think. Like I I really, I feel like this year, honest to goodness, I did the least in terms of like content creation and putting myself out there and stuff. Like, was I still consistent with my podcast? Yeah. Do I still post to my stories? Yeah. But I would say this past year, I was like, I really dialed things back and I pushed the least and my private practice has never been busier. And so I think that's probably like I will be turning 32 on Tuesday or, you know, if you're listening to this episode, like I turned 32 on Tuesday. Um, Of course, you're listening to this episode, but I mean, (laughs) okay. so when you're listening to this episode, I will have turned 32 on Tuesday. And I think that the past year, that was probably my biggest lesson that in order to, you know, be living the life I want and maybe like have like the business that I want and help the number of people I want and be like accomplishing those types of things, like it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be a struggle. And I guess there's probably another lesson in that being like, when you are doing something that you truly feel aligned with, like things really do just flow. Like things don't feel hard when you're doing what's aligned. I suppose that's what I'm saying. So that is, those are some, (laughs) I did not think, you probably can tell, but I did not think about my answers to these questions (laughs) before I hit record. So 
those are some lessons and like realizations from this past year. Goals. I really, really just want to be so present. Um, I guess right now, as I'm sitting here recording this, kind of like the big thing in my mind is obviously like my wedding two months away. And so within these next two months, like I really want to be present in like the planning process, because like I just said, this past year has gone so incredibly fast. And it's not like I just, you know, was daydreaming all the time. Like, was I present? Yeah. But just knowing that there's only two months left of this really fun season of my life of planning my wedding it like, I really want to be present in these last two months. Um, and then obviously like on actual wedding day, (laughs) just like really, really soak it up. And I think another thing this just came to me, but recently I have formed a couple of really, I even got shivers when I'm talking about this, but recently I formed some really phenomenal friendships and like female friendships and um yeah these gals like they don't know each other so it's not like a group of friends but I have these like two individual friendships that have formed recently and they're just really special to me and I think that would be a goal going into you know this year being 32 is more prioritization on like actually spending time with my friends because I actually don't have like a lot of local friends to be completely honest. Um, A lot of my friends, my best, most close friends live nowhere near me. So like take my bridal party for an example. I have four bridesmaids and two are in Ontario. One is in California and the other is in British Columbia. And I am in the middle of Canada. So we're not close at all in location wise, but you know, anyways, that would be a goal for myself going into this new year of life is like prioritizing actually like one-on-one or in-person time with like these feel-good relationships and just being like the best friend I could possibly be. So those are some goals and I'm getting like even emotional thinking about that. So anyways, we're moving into the last question and I just took a look at the time and I feel like this is the longest podcast episode I've put out in a really long time. So last question says, I'd love to hear about your favorite birthday memory. (laughs) Such a fun question. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think I have just one, but what is coming up for me is, so this might sound kind of funny, but I actually really, really love the day before my birthday because I'm like, Ooh, this is the last day 
I am ever going to be this age. Like (laughs) that kind of sounds a little funny, but I really love June 19th because it's like the last day I'm ever going to be that age. So I kind of really soak up those moments. I take a lot of time just like by myself on my birthday. I think that's kind of probably my most favorite part about my birthday is I never work on my birthday. I always have like a super open calendar. I always wake up, have breakfast, do a workout, spend a lot of time with Scott and Penny. And then we always have like a family dinner. I know this is totally not answering the question, but I think at the core of it all, um, I just really love that on my birthday, I always put like extra prioritization into the time that I spend with myself, but then I also have a lot of really great family time. So I don't really have like a standout, standout birthday memory. Um, I mean, I feel like if I combed through all of my past birthdays, I could share one really awesome memory from each you know like one birthday Scott gave me a card and said in the card it said that he was gonna buy me a dog and I didn't get Penny on my birthday but um that was that kind of like kick-started the process of us looking for dogs and kind of dreaming up which type of dog we wanted that sort of thing so Anyways, there's been a lot of really pleasant birthdays in the past. I have a lot of really great memories. And this birthday, I'm recording this episode before my birthday, of course. So I can't tell you exactly what happens, but I know it's going to involve a lot of family time. We have family visiting for the week of my birthday. So I'm really excited about that. And Actually, last year, I shared my birthday with my dad's Father's Day. So my birthday often lands on Father's Day. Fun fact about me. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I am going to go now and prep some dinner. I am having smoked salmon bowls for dinner, which means like rice, white rice and smoked salmon and a bunch of yummy, crunchy cucumbers, like a kind of a, um, vinegary cucumber salad. Anyways, I'm rambling now, but I'm really excited for dinner if you can't tell. So I'm going to go cook my rice and I'll see you all next week. (music) 